you watch this live, huh? Yeah, I was watching live. Um, it uh, it was it definitely I and I I took the time to tune in for all the pre race stuff, mm-hmm. which extended it out. Like it was uh, so a uh, cool thing. It was being broadcast on like ABC proper. Yeah, and in the past when they've done that, they like will <laughs> the broadcast will start like just as the formation lap is beginning and will like oh end really before there's even like trophies handed out on the podium but for this race they had i think it was like a four and a half hour five hour block that they had on, on major network abc not on espn but on abc and so i start i started watching like 90 minutes in advance and saw all the all the pre-race shenanigans and whatnot, which I'll, I'll touch on at some point. But uh, to be honest, I was like already deeply fatigued by the time. (laughs) And it put me into like that, that uh, quintessential lazy Sunday sort of state of like half hanging off the couch while watching the, the cars shriek across the track. Yeah. Yeah. I, I caught it. Uh, you'd like, you'd like texted me. Let's just, we'll, we'll, uh, no, no stupid cold open. I feel like there's enough to talk about this week. Welcome to the F1 Files, folks. This is our Formula One podcast. We are just launching right into this. I'm one of the hosts. My name is Corey Willis. I'm an actor, writer, improviser out here in Los Angeles, California. And this is John Laporte, creative consultant, designing the future for film, technology, and automotive, holding it down on the East Coast. So uh, as we span from one side of the country to the other, Mm -hmm. the United States was ablaze this week with the first of three races to be held in the United States Mm -hmm. in the 2023 season. Uh, the, The cars hit the track in Miami. Uh, it was, this is the second year that we've done this race last year. It was a giant spectacle. I think somehow the spectacle was even heightened a bit further this time. I saw they had increased attendance or they had actually expanded, uh, their, uh, uh, what do you, what do you call it? Their capabilities, their seating, you know, they added, an extra yeah. like 30,000 seats or something, sold them all, no problem. And they had a packed house for, yeah. for the race. That said, though, during qualifying, it was not a packed house. And like, it was definitely not packed house during qualifying. It felt. And, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes when you are, you know, sometimes when you're there, qualifying and particularly practice, it's just a great time to just kind of like wander the the track and and not sit in your seats but just to kind of like bounce around the whole facility and see what's going on and whatnot but i also heard stories that there was like last second fire sales on tickets for the grand prix right that sounds right Um, yeah that it because there were still seats available that was what was happening the week leading up which kind of got me in the like the the f1 show is starting to overtake the f1 sports and i think this was like a perfect Mm -hmm. uh like bellwether event to see how that is like coming up against the actual sport and traditionalists and i think that that was 
a big indicator was like an immediate like building out of facilities at a track that wasn't super popular within the sport last year uh and then just the pomp and circumstance surrounding it uh oh i looked i saw a bunch of interviews where every driver basically not it wasn't interviews but it was like uh people had heard rumblings from the drivers uh, and several of them were like, Oh yeah, we did not enjoy this. The George Russell, the head of the, the president of like the drivers mm-hmm. commission drivers association uh, was like, it's not for me. Uh, it's, I can see that like, this is an American thing, uh, but it just, I'm not a big fan of it. And, and, and he was talking specifically about this, driver intro ceremony yeah that they put together so let's let's start there and i'm gonna i'm just gonna call this mm-hmm. as we're now in johnny's trash corner yeah 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 yeah. We're all of this uh trash and for me this actually ended up like setting the tone for mm-hmm. a lot of the race that followed um, well i don't know if uh, i don't know if that set the tone john i think we do have to do like one of those flashback moments to when F1 was like, ooh, we have an exclusive release of a new Formula One inspired song by Will I Am and most famous rapper ever, Lil Wayne. I mean, I, he's very popular and he's a very talented artist. If you listen to the lyrics, I don't understand how this was inspired by F1. I think it was inspired by the U.S idea loose general idea of what formula one is but it's like i don't know what's going on with any of this and it's so bizarre to me and so like and like all right so will i am will i am by all accounts Mm -hmm. uh, a genuinely talented musician i know a car enthusiast uh, a a car enthusiast a a innovation minded individual Mm -hmm. uh corey you and i uh i believe saw will i am yes we uh, did the last day of senior year of high school the black eyed peas played in our in our odd choice of a suburban hometown they played directly in our hometown and this was this was black eyed peas first album pre like two or three albums before fergie joined the band and yeah let's get it started retarded dude i want to say that macy gray was one of the people who was singing because she was on that first album like she must have been one of the people at that performance because they had a full band and backup singers i mean and and this is like you know this tiny weird act so you know uh will i am certainly a, a a talented creative artist also somehow a master of continually jumping and re-jumping the shark, uh, which yeah. is definitely where what brings us to. Uh, all right. So, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> this, this driver introduction ceremony, Will I Am is conducting an orchestra, yes. which is to say he's like pretending to conduct an orchestra who are playing just a vague anthem that has to, has no choice but to be so vague, but to be like video game music that loops perpetually. Yes. While, while LL Cool J stands with a microphone introducing each driver one by one, not just saying like their names, but trying to give each, each one of them having a sort of like scripted 
little zinger that they throw in that they were stretching real hard to come up with things like mm-hmm. the you know the Viking bad boy turned good yeah Kevin Magnuson right that's what everybody always calls him yeah the Vi- no? no no they don't no not what? the Viking huh? no no uh yeah and so Logan running, Sergeant running through that. Mm. Logan Sargent going out there, the uh, first person to be like, "Let's, let's go, let's get it started, let's get fired yeah, poor, up." Poor, poor like, Logan Sargent having to be the first one, and then being like, "So, like, do I take the microphone from LL Cool J and try mm-hmm. to LL Cool J up this myself?" Like, just terrible planning all around. The camera intercutting between LL Cool J between the like fog machine, you know, uh, the 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 Miami Dolphins cheerleaders mm-hmm. uh just to make it uh you know extra classy and then uh will I am continuing to conduct the orchestra wearing a uh Halloween costume caliber version of like a racing suit parody yes. kind yes. of that had sponsors all over it like as as though like will I am had actually spent some time collecting sponsors for himself so for that this he could particular because he was just like yeah. that's what that's what you do you have yeah, stickers on yourself yeah that's and, the whole thing yeah. also i think his sunglasses were like supposed to be modeled after like uh, a tearaway on a visor on like a, on a helmet. <laughs> that would have been great <laughs> yeah, it would have yeah. been like if he was conducting the orchestra and then had to pull off a tear-off sheet and they were yes. like you know pointing a giant a giant like fan at him so that it would the tear off sheet fly away off his glasses because that was how intensely like, he was conducting. You can see it's fucking someone cello and they're like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It was, uh, so, so that good. was awful. Yes. That was just awful. Yes. I will give, I will give credit to LL Cool J for uh, doing an excellent job with pronouncing everybody's names and, you know, mm-hmm. clearly was was well practiced at that and and quite honestly like LL Cool J uh, he's spent enough time on stage that I think he probably somehow minimized what could have been even cringier if there was someone else in his place doing that but yeah but by all accounts like just don't don't do this again like do not do this again and I'm certain we will see Whatever they just did here, we will see like something that it's, is at approximately three times the cringe exactly. in Las Vegas. It's nothing compared to what they are going to do at Vegas. I can't I can't even fathom what they have in store for us. Seeing the way that they introed this Grand Prix, it was uh, and again, the drivers uh pretty much all but one driver had something negative to say about this. Uh, and mm-hmm. the one person who had nothing negative to say about it was Lewis Hamilton. And he was like, I think it's great. Uh, the show is wonderful. Uh, they should try more stuff. And I understand kind of why he felt the need to say that. Uh, because basically what happened was Formula One made this huge intro and kind of centered it around black faces and that's like a lot of the criticism that's coming is like being kind of like tar- like it's targeting like ll cool j and will i am uh right and like the celebrity and influencer culture and stuff and that predominantly is you know full of 
black and brown faces. So I can see why Hamilton would be like, no, no, I think it's cool that we're trying new stuff. I'm not saying we shouldn't try new stuff. I think that new stuff is interesting. Uh, messing with the format, uh, I think is smart. I think maybe like switching it up with some of the way that they intro the show or some of the way that they complete and conduct podium ceremonies. I think some of that's kind of cool, but I think that this set, like you said, like will I am finds continuously finds a way to jump the shark. And this is another example of his involvement with something where it was just like, Hey, this was too much. This was too much. We're, we already live in the future. You don't, you don't need to like make it seem like we're living in like the future of the future of the alternate future. It's yeah, it's just a weird, weird thing. <sighs> um, I'll, 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 I'll drop one, one other nugget into the trash corner, which was mm-hmm. during uh, all of the pre-race festivities. We have we're already anticipating maximum cringe during Martin Brundle's grid walk. Oh God. He's yeah. going to go around hunting for, did you, did you see this? I did see uh, it. He, he goes, you know, hunting for people to talk to knowing very well that there's going to be celebrities mm-hmm. whose bodyguards get in his way and whatnot. And he gets to, I guess, I guess right around the area where <laughs> this silly ceremony was going to take place. They had fully blocked off the grid Yes. To even the VIPs, but apparently there's some level of like mega VIP that can still get back past that mm. one level of, of tape. And beyond there is Roger Federer and uh, Martin Brundle is desperate to get a quick interview with him and is like yeah. shouting to him. Sir Jackie Stewart is right there. Mm hmm. And Jackie Stewart realizes what's going on. And Jackie Stewart, the the gent that he is, is like, oh, don't worry, Martin Brundle. I'll go get Roger go get, Federer the, for you. Maybe the best part about this, John, is that this conversation is happening while the camera is like just pointing at Roger Federer through these like yeah. stanchions and bodyguards. And you yep. just hear these two old men being like, oh, well, you know, we should, you know let's, let's, if you wouldn't mind, go getting them. Yeah, sure. But don't. Don't don't get yourself in trouble there, Jackie. It was and just uh, just in case anybody doesn't know who Jackie Stewart is, I'll yes. try to keep it simple. He is like the patron saint of the sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the most elder statesman who, uh, in addition to having an incredible career as a driver, is also directly credited with making the sport significantly less deadly on a regular basis. And for that reason, we'll always have the most like gravitas and appreciation across the entire grid. Yeah. Like he, he like, like if you could imagine a version of like coming to America where like Prince Hakeem gets like the flower petals, like thrown at his feet everywhere. mm -hmm. That is Jackie Stewart anytime he's around anything that has to do with racing culture like he the red carpet it's not just a red carpet that's rolled out for him it's like a bespoke red carpet this man is un quite quite literally should be untouchable and so he blazes through the the tape goes into the forbidden zone and already at that Mm -hmm. is like there's a few people that are going towards him to like flag him down and then I guess it was like Roger Federer's like, you know, bodyguards yeah. 
that immediately start putting hands on Sir Jackie Stewart. And like, I'm just, I'm seeing this and I'm just thinking like, you got to cut the camera away from this. Like you don't want people to see this. This is, this is horrible. Don't let this be on camera. This is a, this is a total nightmare scenario. It's the worst possible peak. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, as if like the coronation just happened, the King's coronation just happened. It would be similar to like, if when like the, the, uh, whoever the the highest person at the church was as they were like anointing uh, King Charles like it'd be as if like King Charles's security guards were like no you can't touch him it's like no no he's like the mm-hmm. only person right now who is allowed yeah. to do anything they want uh, in the presence of like these great people he is the greatest uh, and without his blessing this really cannot go forward like if Jackie Stewart were to be like, uh, this Grand Prix needs to be shut down, I think the FIA and Formula One would honestly entertain it and be like, well, we gotta we gotta listen to if Jackie Stewart has a problem mm-hmm. with this, then we should probably reassess. So oh that was painful. This for me was yeah, it was the most painful and like intense moment of the entire Grand yes. Prix. Yeah. Which which meant that by the time the Grand Prix had finally started. I was effectively exhausted (laughs) and that just set me up in this, in this place where, uh, to be quite frank, I I did not really enjoy this Grand Prix. Yeah, it did. I can see how that would put a very, very bad taste in your mouth for it. Uh, despite the, the, the qualifying session being really interesting, uh, unfortunately we did have, created an amazing starting order yeah for for the race yeah and should be said this is the first time since like mid 2021 that every single car has finished the grand prix not just because they didn't crash into each other but because there was no mechanical failures or anything like that Mm -hmm. that is all by itself really impressive when you put it in the context of the miami grand prix which now I think can be classified as the second hottest Grand Prix outside of Singapore. Like it is, the -hmm. temperatures are unrelenting in Miami. As someone who has spent time in Miami around this time of year, it's, ooh, it is some of the most oppressive heat and humidity you can imagine. So the fact that these cars didn't fail, that these drivers didn't fail, and every single one of them finished the Grand Prix, was incredible and there were first lap incidents like mm-hmm. i mean nick devries uh ended up running who did he run into the back of uh norris somebody in the back. it was lando it was lando i think he like ended up hitting lando and kind of tanked yeah. lando's race even though just like mclaren like drove di- directly into him yeah 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 so uh a lot of precedent set uh all the cars finished this was also the first time i can't remember since when but this is one of the first times that mclaren hasn't had a car make it out hasn't had both of their cars or one of their cars make it out of the first qualifying session so those that mm-hmm. it was just a big weekend for a bunch of reasons and i john i want to say that i enjoyed the grand prix i paid attention to the whole grand prix i watched the whole thing mm-hmm. uh not in real time <laughs> but I paid attention to the whole thing and I, <laughs> I don't know if it was good. I don't know. I can't, 
I, I'm still struggling like a day later. I'm like, was that a good race or was I, is this like Stockholm syndrome where I just, we didn't have a race for so long. And then Azerbaijan was so bad that this felt like it was good. I, I don't know though. So I don't know. There was, I, I think for me, there's a, a few big downers mm-hmm. in the race. There was all this like chitter chatter going on with uh, Max starting midfield. Yeah. And uh, which is wonderful. That's exciting. That's yeah. going to mix things up. And this sort of thing that that unfolded where they were talking with Alonzo in advance of the race and asking him, like, what lap do you think Max will will catch up to you? And yeah. he's saying, oh, I don't know, maybe let's say lap. 25 and it was like lap 13 and a yeah. half yeah that max uh basically got to him alonzo was able to like defend for one corner and on the very next corner just like stood no it's chance like, yes yeah, just, just you know, go for it has to let him by so that that sucks that's yeah. just like you know and seeing this amazing driver like alonzo not even be able to attempt that to, was upsetting yeah yeah there's there's just no chance of seeing anything exciting there. That could be something that I think we've all been anticipating. Like, oh, what happens when Alonzo and Max tangle up with each other? And it's just like, nope, uh, Max is just going to blow through him like wet tissue paper. Like it's, it's, yeah. Well, uh, that's a big bummer. It, yeah. And there was that moment after the race where I was like, oh, wow, they're kind of like laughing it up in the cool down room. I couldn't hear everything that was happening, but like, Ah, oh, they're like kind of laughing it up and like Max is kind of like seems like he's being a little bit jovial and Fernando kind of does the like ha 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 and then like face drops and I was like, "Oh, yep. Max just did a Max thing and I can't tell what it is cuz I don't know exactly." Oh, no, no, you could hear it. You could hear like and Max then I went like back. going yeah. like you said you said it was going to be lap twenty five. What what was it? I wasn't even paying attention because I, like, I was having looked so at much my fun dash and I must have thought my everybody. dash was off. And it was like, dude, you're so disrespectful. Like he's so disrespectful. <laughs> even when he's trying to be affable and likable, he comes across as like just the least likable person. He got booed by Red Bull yeah. fans during multiple yep. parts of the se- and I get that Checo has a big fan base there yep. but it's it also has a lot to do with who they're booing it's not just that they're booing Checo's teammate who yeah. beats him it's that they're booing a pompous jerk who is also mm-hmm. beating their favorite driver so so yeah and for me the race closed out with another you know big bummer which was this whole thing of Mm -hmm. uh you know max was going to fall back behind checo uh from a pit stop and then would have to fight his way around him and that could be fireworks yeah that could be some action but instead just again just blew his doors off yep it was zero two, effort no know. there were there were two defensive moves that checko threw out yeah. there, but like they were it was there was no way that he was going to be able to defend i mean max was on it was very clearly just a matter of time yeah, yeah yeah and like max and lewis both started far back in the field uh and 
this is something that I we're Hamilton fans. Okay. Mm-hmm. That that's mm-hmm. uh, that's we're not gonna try and sugarcoat it, but I think that Lewis fighting back through the field from thirteenth to sixth in the car that he's in is way more impressive than Max fighting through the field to win yeah. the race. Uh, it just there's yeah, it, it was really really impressive to watch Lewis uh, fight back through the field. It was painful to listen to Lewis fight back through the field, but it was impressive to watch him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm guessing you didn't listen to much of his radio communications unless they were. Oh no! What what was going on? I mean, just within the first few laps, uh, I think like lap three, he was like, "I think we should maybe. I don't know if this car is going to make it." <laughs> it's like, hey, oh yeah, dude, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just yep. drive the car, bro. Don't like. Let's not start mm-hmm. that right away and. Because he got he there was like some contact he got like pinched because he's he started later uh, or further back in the field so there was more action and there was you know more vulnerable moments for him and he ended up I think making a little bit of contact uh, his front wing he was worried about there was some potential damage that he took on uh, but it just turns out it was like oh no the track is very very green. Uh, because the rain mm-hmm. happened the night before, washed off all the rubber, so it was basically like a brand new track again. Uh, and he was on hard tires in a car that is not very good at managing tires and getting tires up to temp. So he struggled. Uh, but just listening to his radio communications, it was like, dude, d- just keep driving the car. Just keep driving the car. Don't yep. give up on lap four. <laughs> like, w- what's happening? Uh, and I think that Bono like wasn't even entertaining his like when he was like, oh, I think that there's damage. And he's like, we're looking at it. We don't say anything. Like it wasn't like, just keep going. We'll we'll mind it. Like he just first time he complained, he was like, yeah, we'll have a look at the data and see what's going on. And then every single time he came back, Bono was just like, everything looks OK. Just get your head down and go. Um, that was not what he said, but that was the tone of Bono's responses was like, no, just keep going. You're fine. It's just the car dialing itself in. And Mm -hmm. it did. The car dialed itself in. And Lewis said, even when he made his pit stop at on medium tires, the car like felt like it came alive. So I I mean, as far as we're concerned, John, the Mercedes is a bit of a tractor. The Mercedes feels like it's much slower than it should be. But in reality, it's not a slow car. Uh, George proved that today uh, by, you know, um, or not today, yesterday. He proved that. Uh, and Hamilton also proved that. <laughs> so it's like, mm, buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was kind of tricky. It's to just tough to when we're, you know, we, it, it's hard to come back from close to a decade of Mercedes dominance to where they're at now. Yes, but yes. It, them's them's the breaks um yeah what do you i was i was definitely disappointed also because as you had mentioned the track conditions um Mm -hmm. having changed which in theory i was thinking was going to make the race a bit more perilous with this idea that like you have to stay on your line because the moment you go offline the tracks can be so green that you'll have drastically reduced traction it'll make it you know this sort of like keep your 
keep your tires in the tracks of the driver ahead of you or else. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't seem to be that way at all. I mean, again, no. there was no, no incidents, no, uh, you know, not, not to say that I, I wish for there to be, you know, bad things happening to cars on track. Right. But I was just surprised that it seemed, uh, everybody seemed so comfortable given the heightened scenario that it wasn't as terrifyingly yeah. bad as it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It really wasn't that bad. So, I mean, uh, but again, that kind of made the race a bit of a sleeper because there wasn't as much, the stakes didn't seem as, uh, as high because if you went off the racing line, it wasn't, it didn't mean that you like lost tons of time on track. Um, mm-hmm. There were a decent amount of battles that happened. Leclerc, Magnuson, multiple times throughout the race, there were multiple yep. battles back and forth where Leclerc would, like, in that first DRS zone, he would get past Magnuson, and then Magnuson would tuck in and do the old, like, up and under or switcheroo or whatever you want to call it uh, at that second turn, and it was great. I mean, it was really fun to watch that. Um, maybe the best version of that happened early in the race when Max Verstappen did one of the most Max Verstappen moves that he could do right now in that car, which is DRS was activated. He was watching Leclerc and Magnuson battle in front of him. And I think, yeah, I don't, I think Magnuson may have had DRS at that point, but he basically just like cut around to the outside and passed them both. Uh, with the DRS activated on his car, and that was impressive. Uh, I mean, really, really. It was impressive. a very masterful. As frustrating as it was to me, it was quite the masterful move, and yeah. uh, you know, uh, pretty, pretty well played. And and again, just looked deeply effortless. Like looked yeah. like it wasn't even this careful chess move that he was making to pass two cars on one corner but just was like, you know, oh, okay, there's a little space. Now I can finally put the pedal down harder, you know, use the full travel of the accelerator that I've been easing off on while behind these cars. Yeah, like it truly looked like a video game. Like he made it look like a video game. And that yeah. is... And I mean, again, kudos kudos to Max for making it through the field in a in a very clean manner too. You know, yes. there wasn't any, any, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a, you know, I was of course naturally wishing that he'd get tangled up in something back well, there, but yeah, of course he, yeah. he made it through and did it, did it, did it very smoothly. Yeah. Yeah. He was super clean in his moves. Uh, there were some, some worries that when he encountered George Russell in the field again, that there was going to be some like messy oh you dive bomb me i'm gonna dive bomb you and that just wasn't how it panned out which is great i think it's great that he's racing people in an honest way uh that's kind of important that he does that he does that uh so so let me let me bring it back to the initial question that you asked and after you know revisiting it Corey. Do you think this was a good race? I'm still stuck, John. I still don't know if it was a good race or not. Uh, 
it was a race. We had a race for sure. It had all we had a race. All the trappings were there. Uh, there was the the cranberry sauce. There was the the stuffing. Uh, there were multiple kinds of mashed potatoes. Um, the the bird was cooked. It looked like it was cooked to perfection. Uh, it even tasted pretty good. But am I pulling back from the Thanksgiving table and undoing some belt uh, belt notches? I don't think so. I don't. I don't feel satisfied by this F one race at all. I, yeah. I feel. Yeah. I feel like I, I'm. I'm still feeling a bit peckish, uh, and it kind of sucks because Imola's not this week. It's next week, so we have like a full week plus to to wait for more action. Um, so. Oh, it's not. It's not uh, immediately. I thought for some reason I thought it would. I, I think it's. This, oh. I think it. I think we've got a few races stacked up. Is it one after another after another? I believe so. Oh, that would be great, and that means if it's Imola, that means that it's uh, it's a Friday. Like we're doing like a, a heavy loaded Friday, right? Is that is that what the the deal is uh, with Imola, or is that Monza that does that? Oh, nope, I'm a liar. It is uh, it is not this upcoming uh, week. Oh. It is, and what it is is it's. Following this, we we have uh, Imola, we have Monaco, and we have Spain. Right, uh, back to back. Right, right. So yeah, we've got we've got a little bit of a uh, of of some we've got some recuperation time that yeah is not necessary but is happening. It's being forced upon us. So let's. Mm. I guess just kind of bask in this and uh, I don't even know. There wasn't like that much drama that happened at this race even. So I can't say that like I can, like I feel fulfilled in that way. Um, Yeah. What what do you, what do you think, John? No, I, I, yeah, I think, I think I I did not enjoy the race. I did not think it was a good race. And I thought it was another uh, really strong negative mark in the, concern that is the red bull dominance going to damage the sport yes as a whole in this critical time where it's having this surge in popularity and enthusiasm and excitement yet the fans are growing increasingly cranky yeah that we have and and again you know i mean i think when you talk to many of the diehard fans many of them make a clear point very valid point which is like well the dominance is nothing new in formula one like we've always had generations of dominance in this sport for some reason this one just feels feels different feels more dominant than usual and i think it's also just that we're coming down from uh, a few seasons where we had some really tight competition and some much higher stakes excitement uh as the popularity in the sport was surging. So yeah, to me, a bummer, bummer of a race. Uh, and I wish we had one as soon as possible to sort of like wash the taste of this one yeah. away for me. Yeah. Um, what, was there anything that was particularly enjoyable for you during this race? In a very bad way. Yes. There, there was a moment where I, as John, as you know, uh, I have a couple of different laughs that I let out um, 
and the the one laugh that if you ever hear me laugh and it sounds like I'm laughing at you, it's because I'm laughing at you. Uh, and that is the laugh that I let out when I saw Carlos Sainz being investigated uh, by the... Mm-hmm by the stewards for speeding in the pit lane. I was like, here's Ferrari. Here is Ferrari having like an amazing like reflection of last weekend, uh, which unfortunately is just how Ferrari is, which is they just keep punching themselves in the crotch at every possible moment where they're like, oh yeah, yeah, let's, uh, I think we've like, we've got some like good stuff going on they punch themselves in the crotch so hard. Uh, and it's like before a hot date that they're punching themselves in the crotch. Cause the next grand Prix is the, is not the Italian grand Prix, but this is like the Emilia Romana grand Prix. It's like an Italian race and Ferrari is returning home with a crotch that is so battered with their own punches that it's like guys you you put yourselves in such a bad spot to go home to the italian press and just get roasted uh yep just absolutely roasted oh speaking of roastings we've got laurent rossi who is the head of alpine the head of renault uh coming out and absolutely demolishing his F1 team, just saying they're not worth the money that they're spending on them. Uh, yeah. it, it was such a French dressing down. Uh, yep. And it seemed to kind of work on Gasly because <laughs> he ended up yeah, going fourth yeah. in the race. Gasly, that's a bad precedent to set, dude. You can't be, you can't. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. You can't have someone abuse you publicly and then go like, "Oh yeah, that's how I that's how I perform." It's like, "No, no, dude. No. Mm-hmm. Well, so th- there may be some staffing changes. I mean, I'd be worried if I was Otmar Zafnauer right now. Uh, yep. Yep, 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 yep. Or I'd be trying to find another job <laughs> as quickly as possible mm-hmm. uh, cuz there's no way that he's not going to get fired. I didn't expect him to last beyond this season now that like the French team has become exponentially more French. And now it's like, Mm -hmm. Ooh, buddy, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to keep you around. So that that was, that was kind of brutal. What, what else, uh, (laughs) what else from from the Laurent uh, Rossi story, Johnny, I know you got, you you read i just i just liked uh i i don't have the quote in front of me but Mm -hmm. the way he phrased it even was with this sort of like you know like it was it was almost the parody of him being like the team is how do you say complete imbeciles (laughs) yes yeah yeah and was like it was like i'm sorry i can't quite find the right word to say it in the way that I mean to, but yeah. the word I'm looking for is imbecile mixed uh, with infantile child. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. I feel so bad for, it's rough for them. It's pretty rough. But again, it's like, uh, there's like that saying like, uh, a hit dog will holler. And it's like, well, it sucks that you, 
that, that saying doesn't really apply here. But like, it's it sucks that like you have you have to be publicly embarrassed in order to yeah. perform. Yeah. That that is that does not bode no well good. for the team in general. Um, but the the people who run things most importantly, yeah, that's not looking great. Um, other otherwise for me uh you know i think another highlight of the race for for myself and and many many others yeah uh was a little more time spent listening to the incredibly entertaining Mm -hmm. fernando alonso radio communications happening between him Mm -hmm. and the pit wall yeah the highlight of which being him uh asking what position his teammate was in because I just saw him make an incredible entry into turn one. Mm -hmm. And Alonzo is, I think, 12 or 13 turns away from his teammate. Yes. And so how, how would he know that his teammate made a great, you know, move into a, corner on the opposite end of the racetrack from where he was that would be by watching it on one of the jumbotrons yeah like the rest of us of the race yeah, yeah like the rest of us yeah and as alonzo is currently you know making sure that his little spacecraft is flying across this race circuit at speeds that are allowing him to earn a podium position mm-hmm to have a lonely race. Yeah. 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 He's just casually monitoring every single other thing happening in the cosmos. In addition to performing exceptionally well in his, in his race. Uh, Absolutely stunning. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. I, I I suspect this is now like, this is now officially a thing. Yes. And uh, Fernando is probably like during practice, already beginning to scout out like, Ooh, what can I, you know, what else could I detect with my, my five senses during the course of the the Sunday race that will delight the audiences to know that, you know, in my Zen like state of, uh, of, of making my way around the track, I'm able to observe all this other stuff. And, you know, I just, I can't wait to hear what the next hit is that's played on my favorite new radio station, WALO. <laughs> uh, it's, it really is impressive to to hear him be Alonzo in a way that we never imagined Alonzo would be, uh, which is like a proud, yeah, like he's like a proud dad. And not just for yeah. Lance, like for multiple people in the field. Like he's repeatedly yeah. praised Lewis Hamilton for his uh, amazing yeah. work uh, in, in a car that is underserving him. Uh, he's praising Max Verstappen. He's praising Checo Perez. He praises all these people all around him. And then also is carefully considering his teammates like mental state, uh, not just physical state, but like mental state uh, during the races. Um, there was, Something that was said, he he qualified second uh, because of like the weird qualifying situation. And by weird qualifying situation, I mean Charles Leclerc 
crashing for a second time and qualifying in the same spot. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> um, uh, which Charles himself uh, was like, yeah, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. I, I have no, no excuse. Um, the stat I saw is that Charles has uh, five races into the season. Charles has crashed more times than Mick Schumacher did the entirety of the 2022 season. The entirety of the season. Oh yes. no. And we all know yeah. where Mick is now. He is in a reserve yeah. driver's seat. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I mean, Charles not going to be in a reserve driver's seat, but he's not doing I mean, himself it's, any it's, favors. I think we're now the the tide is turning on on Charles, who we've mm-hmm. always seen as someone who's incredibly underserved by his uh, Scuderia Pagliacci team. Yeah, but I think he's now clearly not holding up his end yeah. of the deal. Either. This this is like that like um like that moment where uh, you. So I, as I, I'm an actor, uh, and there are times when I will go and work on something and then not have time to fully remove the makeup from my face. Uh, and sometimes I'll like catch myself in the mirror, either just as I'm about to go and do something else or after I've come back from doing something else. And like, no one said like, Oh wow, you look like you're like camera ready or whatever. (laughs) And like, I get home and like I look in the mirror and catch my reflection. And I think that's what Charles is doing is he's like been like, Oh God, Pagliacci, you are such a disgrace. You are, you are making me look so ridiculous. Oh God, if you could just get it together. And then he like glances at himself in the mirror and realizes that he himself is also Pagliacci. He's, he's been saying guys, I keep on getting clown makeup on my face that's yeah. getting rubbed off from my helmet. And now finally someone is stepping in and saying, well, Charles, how did the clown makeup get into the helmet in the first place? And Charles is having that moment where he like looks down, but like is staring miles away at the same time. And it's like, yeah, Charles. Yeah. Uh, so, that was that was a nightmare for him, but it did afford us a moment with Alonso, who got on to the second spot of the grid behind Sergio Perez. Yep. And Alon- uh, real, real, yeah, real, yeah. real quick, just to swing back to Charles for mm-hmm. a second. Worth noting that the next two races are going to be very significant for him. Oh no, baby boy! Oh no! Oh no! He's going to be racing. He's going to be racing in Italy. In front of the Tifosi, and then he's going to be racing in Monaco, yeah, his hometown. Where he and just... I feel like these are going to define the rest of his season. Yeah, they are. Almost. Someone mentioned that, like, when he went into the barriers during uh, that third qualifying session, that it was reminiscent of his body language was reminiscent of when he went into the barriers at Paul Ricard and released like the most bone chilling radio communication yeah. I've ever heard from an F1 driver. Uh, so that was, that was painful and it is going to be extremely painful going forward for Charles. Oh. Uh, but mm-hmm. it did give us a moment where Alonzo was interviewed after the, the qualifying session and they were just fully like, Hey, so what's going on? What's changed uh, with you, Alonzo? And he's like, I am as prepared as I've ever been. 
Uh, I am not, uh, nothing has changed with me. Uh, it's just that I have a team that believes in me now and I believe in the team. They trust me to set the car up. Uh, and then the last statement was, uh, I've never been in a car this fast before. Uh, so you ask what's changed in me? Nothing. Nothing has changed in me. But everything has changed at Aston Martin on me. Uh, which I love that he added the on me at the very end. Not necessary, but just delightful. Because it's like, kind of gives me the idea that he <laughs> went to Aston Martin kind of in the same way that he went to McLaren. Uh, and went, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just been kind of like, well, we'll see. Uh, and it's like, oh, wow, it finally paid off. So that was beautiful to watch Alonzo have that moment where he was just like, I'm truly impressed with this team. He keeps praising the team. He keeps deliberately sharing the champagne with everyone when he gets on the podium. Yeah. Like he like crawls between whatever barrier is between him and, uh, and and the podium and the rest of his team and will like drop the bottle of champagne so everyone can sip from it. Yeah. So it's just, I love it. I love who Fernando Alonso is becoming. I still do firmly believe he will become Fernando Alonso at one point or another. He will become yes, yeah, the Fernando That is what I am waiting for. I will, I, and I, I don't know what it's going to take to smite him, but the higher he rises, yes, I, something will happen and like everyone will, will be like, oh, what happened to the old Fernando Alonso? And he's just going to like quietly turn to the camera and just be like, I was always <laughs> yes. the other Fernando yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yes, this does He's have been that. here the whole time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's there's a very distinct like tension building here with Fernando Alonso where it's like, oh, if he doesn't when, win. when he makes a comment over the radio, it's not an open line, right? Like he has to press a button on the steering wheel to communicate. Correct. Yeah. Like, yeah. is there going to be something where he, like, makes a radio comms and then, like, the button gets, like, stuck down and he's just, like, is letting out, like, a maniacal dark laugh to yeah. himself after, you know, like, oh, tell tell Lance I'm, I'm rooting for him and he's doing beautifully, <laughs> you nimrod, uh, you know, and we'll, I'm, we'll know. Imagine it. I'm just, time. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, that the the final scene in uh the jinx in the uh the robert durst uh <laughs> documentary right, right, where right, right. he like leaves the mic on while he's in the bathroom and he's like well i killed them all mm -hmm. of course and it's like that's fernando is going to be doing that in the cockpit he's going to be like well i've tricked them yeah. all i mean they all think that i'm the hero and i'm just gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna Burn this place down, <laughs> Jesus! Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to like, like Chaz Palminteri at the end of the Usual Suspects. Ted Kravitz is going to drop his notebook. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah, it's it's a matter of time. Um, yeah, I, I do feel so so bad for our our little baby boy, uh, Charles. Um, he doesn't deserve this, but he's kind of setting himself up for this. Uh, Car yep. Carlos does not deserve everything that he's getting, but he did deserve that five-second penalty this time uh, yeah. for speeding in the pit lane. It was, like, indefensible. Um, so it, it sucks, but that's the truth of the matter. He deserved it, and uh, he 
got what he deserved. Uh, and Charles mm-hmm. also got the race that he deserved. You can't have that kind of behavior rewarded or else what's the point? Especially when you've got a team like Red Bull, when you've got a Max Verstappen and a Checo Perez in two of the most dominant cars that you can imagine. You've got Mercedes starting to smell blood, right? You've got Aston Martin, who's performing way above where they expected to perform. You've got Alpine starting to make their way up in the field, right? You've got all these other teams that are really showing up and Ferrari is not, uh, and their drivers are not. Uh, we're losing Laurent Mecky, uh as like the technical director of Ferrari. He is going to be going to Alpha Tauri because Franz Toss is retiring this year. So like they're losing a major component of that team that seems to have kept it together. Uh, yeah, so it's it's not looking great. Not looking great for Ferrari, but also it's so enjoyable to watch Ferrari just completely trip over their own clown shoes over and over and over and find new ways to do it. It's just, it's beautiful. Uh, anything else from, from this weekend, Johnny, that is, is worth chatting about? Uh, no, nothing else for me on track. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other thing that caught my attention cause it hits, hits close to the world that I spend a lot of time in, yeah. uh, was there was a bunch of updates that came out, uh, around the formula one film mm-hmm. starring Brad Pitt, uh, directed by the top gun Maverick director, Joe Kaczynski, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer and Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a panel discussion with Will Buxton leading up to the race this weekend where they talked about some of their process and how, you know, effectively as, as expected, this film will be captured in a way not unlike the movie Top Gun Maverick, which put a huge emphasis on using real fighter jets and mm-hmm. capturing the action Uh Uh, with as minimal cgi as possible or at least using you know uh actual fundamental flight as the the foundation for all of their scenes yeah they're going to be doing the same thing for this formula one film with using real cars the key thing is that they are going to be creating what is considered an 11th team Mm -hmm. on the grid who will join the race weekends uh, throughout what it sounds like will be the the second half of the season. And yeah. that immediately raised a whole bunch of eyebrows of people being like, hold on, are you kidding me? Andretti's dying to get an 11th team on the grid. And instead we're getting Brad Pitt driving an F1 car on track. And uh, I don't, th- there's yeah. the details aren't clear, but I would be, almost certain that there will be no like filming or brad pitt in a race car on track during during competition yeah any kind of competition uh that maybe not even during practice sessions or whatnot like i don't think he's going to be uh from what i understand he is not going to be driving on track with other f1 drivers uh i believe that Whatever they do, they will probably map his car into existing footage. Um, uh, I, I I don't know what they're going to do, but they can't mm-hmm. they can't have Brad Pitt 
drive and it's 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 an f2 car that's been made up to look like an f1 car so it's got all the kit it's a mercedes f2, f2 car. car apparently yeah. mercedes had put the work in to develop a car for the film yeah um but yes is a is effectively an f2 car that is being a little bit dressed up uh but also is as i understand it will be like updated with cgi you know, yes. on top of the car to match a proper Formula One car yeah. that will be part of uh, what I presume will be like a fictional team. Yeah, on the grid. yeah, but he won't be there during any of the actual competition. He won't be there during the practice sessions. But the plan is to have that car on track on Grand Prix weekend so that they can have him. I'm assuming it's partially to have him filmed in front of crowds so that they don't have to like cgi in like crowds and crowd noise uh and the like so uh i'm excited this is this is uh, you you bring it up that andretti is like (laughs) trying to get a team on and they're like uh it's just like a perfect way of like distilling the sport right now being like hey do we want more teams for competition no 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 do we want the show to increase and be like more high profile yeah that's what we're going for that's what we're going for i think even uh uh, colton herta uh tweeted out that brad pitt got his super license before he did before he uh, did yeah 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 uh it's um it's tricky i Uh, think yeah i'm i'm sure it'll be fine i'm i'm definitely fully on board i think you know yes if you many many people out there had a lot of love for how Top Gun Maverick came together. Yes. I think it was, you know, an excellent film. And I think if they could bring that sort of magic to Formula One, I think there will be something really exciting. Maybe they can just like dial back the will I amness of it just, yes. just a little bit. And, uh, uh, I have faith in Bruckheimer we'll, we'll and something special. Yeah, I have faith in Bruckheimer and Kaczynski and dialing that back. I do not have faith in Lewis Hamilton dialing that back. So I, I do <laughs> I do really hope that they they aren't like, yeah, Lewis, you can get kind of final say on this part of the movie. It should be like, no, no, you get final say on like the cars and like the culture of racing, not like the, the show around it because – yeah, uh, I don't know if I want Lewis Hamilton to be in charge of that. In fact, I would prefer it if he had nothing to do with that part of the movie. Uh, and he just yep. focused on the racing. Ah, well, Johnny, I think that there's no question whether or not the stock went up this week in the U.S. for F1. I mean, I think it in whether it's a good bump in the stock or whether it's a, like, oof, dangerously forced bump of the stock i I mean there's no way it couldn't go up if you saw uh any of the prices for merchandise and concessions at the track i saw someone posting a picture of a 45 dollar like wagyu steak sandwich that looked like it had like uh elementary school cafeteria lunch meat thrown inside it and uh yeah uh a a a local neighborhood buddy of mine uh, was actually there in attendance and was like showing us like, cool. If you want to get the Sergio Perez baseball cap that you can get on F1.com for 50 bucks, it's $105. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Yikes. So yeah, it's a so cash the grab. Stock has, the stock has gone up. 
uh, but possibly in a way where it's setting itself up for an impending crash. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yep. Well, all right. That's exciting. Uh, Well, we've got two weeks uh, to unpack that and and just have that swirling around in our minds or like a week and a half. Um, Well, Johnny, you think the stock has gone up in a dangerous way. I think the stock has gone up in a dangerous way. Uh, I think that's exactly correct. Um, Where can these good folks find you out there in the world? Uh, you can always track me down via my home base, johnnymotion.com. Corey, where can the folks find you? You can track me down online at Burn Corey Burn. Uh, we are also the F1 Files on Twitter and TikTok. I've got a show or two coming up, but I don't think it's happening this week. Uh, if it is happening, it's it'll be in the description. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a way to find me in the world. And uh, Hey, by yeah. the way, Corey, oh. it was absolutely amazing watching you this past week thank you on primetime network television appearing on an episode of the goldbergs thank you Uh, huge congratulations there that was astounding it was was absolutely awesome thank you so much it was bananas to be a part of that and while i was filming it i had no idea that it was actually like the series finale of the show so uh yeah it was it 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 was well they knew they knew they couldn't go you know the show couldn't continue to elevate itself they're like touched just by your (laughs) just get get cory in there and then let's shut the whole thing down uh all right well thank you johnny it was it was great to be it was great to be seen and great to get messages and uh, wonderful to see uh, Gigi uh, freaking out as she saw me on TV. That was one of the most amazing yes, messages. She was, uh, she was losing it. Oh, it's great. It's great. I love it. Uh, all right, folks. Well, catch up with us next week because I'm sure that there's going to be some drama and some nonsense that shows up uh, in the media after this past week. And um, we'll make sure to catch up with you the next time on the F1 Files. Thank <laughs> you.